Welcome to a solo episode tonight of Give Him Hell Brigham. It's a little different because Jeff is not here with us and he has been working all week on a huge project at work. I texted him at about eight o'clock tonight. He was still at his office and was planning on being there for a few more hours. So I decided to just go ahead and since he has been working every night till 10 or 11 o'clock, just record by myself and give you a little update and a little, you know, solo episode. I will try to remember to speak slowly. I know that this is something I really struggle with. I was reminded of this when we finally gave Porkchop, who, if you remember, was born in July of 2020. That was our very first solo episode. Jeff recorded by himself that day, and he, we finally blessed him. That he was like 20 some odd months old. We finally decided to bless him, so he got a toddler blessing because we noticed he was not on the roll in the nursery. And so everyone afterwards is like, dude, you got to slow down. So this, I will try to try to keep it slow. But if you are somebody who speeds up your podcasts, you know, just slow it down a little bit. You can adjust the speed. You maybe instead of one and a half, you need to go to one and a quarter for this one. But anyway, happy opening day to all of the baseball fans across the globe. Uh, the My beloved angels are on track to finish Oh, and 162 after losing tonight three to one to the Astros. But my heart was warmed by the fact that Jose Altuve got booed every single time he came onto the field. Um, and if you are a T-Mobile subscriber, don't forget to do your T-Mobile Tuesday to get your free MLB TV while you still can. Um, we do have a lot of news this week. Uh, not Well, it's not a lot of news, but it is a lot to talk about in regards to the Big 12. So that's kind of going to be the focus of this episode. But before I jump into that, I want to again remind you, of we did the bonus episode uh, with Andre um, from Ukraine. We put that out last weekend. Uh, some of people have reached out to me. If you have PayPal, Andre has set up an email address. It's just Andre, A-N-D-R-E, the deliverer um, at gmail.com. So you can send him um, any money on PayPal. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, we've had some extremely, extremely generous donations. And I think from the, uh, just from largely thank to one primarily, um, one, but from a few other smaller donations, we have been able to cover the cost of his, uh, deliveries for over a week. So the, uh, Hellion nation is doing great things. Um, across the globe. And I'm very grateful for it. Andre is very grateful for it. And so are the people that he is helping. Um, So the biggest news kind of this week is definitely that Bob Bowlesby is stepping down as the commissioner of the Big 12 Conference. Uh, I've seen some people say, you know, what does this mean for BYU? Really? It doesn't mean anything. Um, He wasn't, he, the guy's over 70 years old. He's been there for over a decade. He wasn't going to stick around much longer. Um, there was some, you know, hemming and kind of debate is, was he going to be the guy that negotiates the next TV deal and then step down or was he, you know, but really if he's not going to be that guy, then this is the time where you have to make that change. Cause you don't heading into 2023, adding the four new teams, there's a decent chance that maybe, uh, Texas and Oklahoma are probably going to be gone next year. Um, if not trying to get out by 2024, you probably don't want to be breaking somebody in in 2024 who is then going to be negotiating a contract. Because if we're talking about a contract for the 2025 season moving forward, 
then that contract is going to be wrapped up probably sometime in the fall of 2024. So we're looking at two years from now. So you, if you don't, and that negotiations for that contract are probably going to take around a year. So if you don't take care of this, make this change right now, if he even waited just a year, it would probably be somebody coming in and the very first thing they're having to do is jump in and start immediately negotiating. And that's not something, that's not an ideal situation uh, to be put in as an executive. And so it, I think it makes sense for Bowlesby to change now. I don't think it was necessarily that he was run out of town. I think Bob Bowlesby is, he just was very average, right? He, he, Push come to shove. I mean, it was a really bad look that he got blindsided by Texas and Oklahoma. Push come to shove, he didn't. I mean, he got four schools in. He stabilized the conference. Um, you know, whether teams are still looking and trying to jump ship, I don't know. The I my feeling, and after some of the reports that we're going to talk about later in the episode, my feeling is that the remaining eight schools kind of look around the room and say, Hey, we're more alike than we are different. And we're probably never going to be the sec. We know we'll never be the sec, but we are good enough to stay and to build our own thing. And it's kind of nice not to have to listen to the egos coming out of Austin and out of Norman anymore. And it's kind of more, there is more, even though it seems very haphazard because there isn't a blue blood and there is the comparisons to the old big East, um, which we've written about before. Um, and I'll kind of talk about again further is this is the bulk of this conference has been together for a very long time. There is a very strong institutional fit. Um, travel distance isn't that bad out given that pretty much all things are chartered now. You know, a flight is a flight. It doesn't really matter. Adding 45 minutes to a flight doesn't really change things. It's not like you're busing for 25 hours to go to play a baseball game. And so it really, I think the conference is in a good spot. Now, could everything totally fall apart and teams, you know, stop performing in the postseason, stop winning big games, kind of become a laughing stock of the way that, you know, a lot of most, a lot of people, nationwide, you know, kind of look and point and laugh at the PAC 12 and say the PAC 12 is nothing because without USC being the top dog, everything else behind them is kind of very bland. It very well could happen, but I think the bones are there to potentially grow into something. The biggest complaint about the big 12 is that there is no blue blood. And so that's why people are saying it's going to fall apart. Well, yes and no. Cause obviously there is no blue blood because you can't replace an Oklahoma and a Texas because there's only like three other schools that are on the level of Oklahoma and Texas in terms of fan support, money on field performance and everything. But there is still going to be, somebody is going to rise up out of that, right? Like even in the ACC, there really was nobody. I mean, you kind of, you had Florida state for a little bit after they joined, you had, Miami has never really been all that great since they joined the ACC in 2005. Virginia Tech had a couple years, but even then, most of that was as an independent before the Big East was formed or even during their time in the Big East between 1990 and 2005. There's the ACC hasn't had a blue blood football program. And now you could say that Clemson is coming close, obviously, with the amount of success that they've had in the last decade and the number of times they've gone to the playoff. But you take one step down. I mean, they have one down year 
they weren't great or even two years ago, three years ago when they went to the playoff, the American in the Matri- uh, Massey Composite Computer Rankings, the American Athletic Conference finished ranked higher than the ACC. And so the ACC really is a good basketball conference that's also good at football without a real true blue b- blood behind it. Like Cle- in 2010, Clemson was nobody, All right, Clemson was, they win eight or nine games a year, maybe, you know, and they are always competing for a conference title, but nobody thought of Clemson the way they do today. Now, a decade from now, could that be Baylor? Could that be TCU? Could that be Oklahoma State? Very easily. Could be UCF, could be Cincinnati, could be Houston. And so there's just because there's not a blue blood, like nobody is talking about the ACC the same way that they are talking about the Big 12 when they're in a very similar situation. Now, people say the ACC is a very weak conference, and that is true. It, you know, but nobody talks about the ACC losing its status as a P5 conference, the way that they are talking about theoretically happening with the Big 12. Now, there's issues with the NCAA guidelines and bylaws and how codified the P5, autonomy five structure is that makes that to where that is just not going to be feasible. Um, but I, the Big 12 is not going anywhere. And so they need to get a good commissioner. Um, I've got a list of five names of people that I think um, will be on the list. And so um, first one who I think is probably everyone's got reaction. It was someone who was hired by the league. He's familiar. He was a former AD within the league. He's someone who was hired by the league as a consultant going through the expansion process last year. And I believe is still currently on the payroll of the league is former West Virginia athletic director, Oliver Luck. I think that was everybody's first gut reaction is, oh, it's going to be him. And Luck is very well respected throughout um, the collegiate athletics landscape. He knows the business. He, I mean, he was in charge and was the CEO of the XFL that was doing well and until the pandemic hit um, in 2020. And he's well respected. He knows a lot of people. He can, he knows all the TV partners. He, he can do good things. Um, and I think it's kind of his job to lose. Another name that people also brought up that is Mike Oresco. Oresco looked to be a genius prior to the last round of expansion. Um, Oresco, you know, we said he was, you know, he started the P6 brand for the American. He took over the Big East when it was floundering and he came and he was, uh, he was a similar kind of hire to what George Klyovkov was for the Pac-12 um, for the American, where he took over the Big East, they're floundering. He w- did what he could. The teams already wanted to break away. So he built up the American, started the P6 campaign. They've had the vast majority of every NY6 bid. And they, you know, were saying that they were going to be tried to poach you know, from the big 12 and they were going to be then in the new P five and make P six reality, or it was going to be P five and they were going to replace the P 12 or place big 12. Now that that didn't work out. Then it kind of switched to, okay, well, we'll try to, we're going to start our dominance as the top G five. And so we're going to pick off some schools from the mountain West. And it sounded like they were going to try to get Colorado state and air force that didn't work out. Uh, and then they ended up adding six schools Charlotte, UAB, UTSA, Rice, North Texas, and Florida Atlantic. That really, really weakened the conference. It is not a great league anymore. It used to be pretty strong at the top and the middle, and now it's okay at the top and just downright bad at the bottom. And 
you uh, those schools as being kind of commuter schools in metro areas that really fits the footprint of the conference academically kind of fits in there but it maybe it works out and he's saying that he can recreate the you know kind of the growth and the buildup and get the schools the funds they need and do everything that he was able to do over the last decade to lift up some of the bottom you know half of the american but it's a really tough job so it has not been a good year for his reputation um just because he was not able to he was not able to pull anything out of a hat in terms of you know there was no surprises he didn't you know had he convinced colorado state air force boise and san diego state to leave the mountain and just totally kneecap the mountain West and join the AAC, then that would have been a huge win for him. And you'd say, okay, he is the slam dunk guy that big 12 needs, but now it's kind of taken relief. So um, another name is WCC commissioner, Gloria Navarez, who she came to the WCC from the PAC 12 um, to replace Jamie Zaninovich and uh, who is currently with the PAC 12. And I would also consider him as a potential hire. Um, Navarra's prior to being with the PAC 12. Um, she was the kind of second in command at the Oklahoma as an AD in the Oklahoma athletic department. So she's got familiarity with the entire league already. Um, and she has been around the block in the athletic department game. So she knows people. And then an, name that is also floating around um i saw chris vanini from uh the athletic mentioned this name is greg Byrne. he is the has been the athletic director at alabama since 2017 prior to that he was the uh he was the athletic director from 2010 to 2017 at the university of arizona i would really love that because the sec just runs different and so craig greg sankey runs a very tight ship there. And obviously the SEC is the SEC and the job is very easy when teams win as much as they do. But the SEC push come to shove, all the schools know to circle the wagons and get in line and shut up and push forward for the benefit of everybody else in the conference. And that's something that we saw even last year where Texas A&M vocally said, no, we don't want the Longhorns in this league. But push come to shove, it was a unanimous vote. When they got told, hey, no, this is what we're doing. This is what's going to do for everyone. We are going to 16. We're going to do pods. We are bringing in the Longhorns and the Sooners. And the Aggies voted yes. And so knowing and being able to run things the way the SEC is run would be great. His relationships with Arizona and ASU would also be very strong, um, which takes me to my next point of future expansion in the Big 12. This is something that people have been talking about nonstop. It is kind of relevant, especially because Boise State teased something yesterday, and then today they finally released a big old facilities thing. Um, USF, South Florida, you know, they have are making plans and pushing forward and trying to build an on-campus stadium because really they squandered. I they got a Big East invite in 2005, four year, five years after they started playing football. They've been playing in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers stadium since then. And they, their lack of facilities was a driving factor behind them. One really never being able to go into a steady program, despite having all of the resources and then some that UCF has had and being in just as talented of an rich of an area in Florida that UCF has had, but the lack of an on-campus stadium and port facilities has really held them back. And Memphis is doing the same thing of, you know, they was reported by a couple people that the reason Mem- Houston got in 
other than Tillman Fertitta over the reason Houston got in over Memphis um, because a lot of the, the Texas schools didn't want to add another Texas school to the league is that Houston has a brand new on-campus stadium and Memphis plays in a Liberty Bowl stadium that is owned by the city and is dying and it's falling apart. It's not a great place when it's full it's great but it's really hard to have a good game day experience because it just feels dingy and you know memphis is a similar place where there's a ton of talent in that city you're an hour away from oxford mississippi so you do have you know Ole miss and a lot of sec recruiting that happens going up into memphis but there's a lot of talent there and it could be a you know one of the potential better ads for the conference but if my my Big 12 expansion strategy is one, I really don't think that you need to move beyond 12. It doesn't really do anything um, but dilute the brand unless, I think number one, if you can convince Arizona and ASU that more team, they don't want to deal with big schools in California. They don't want to deal with having as many 9 p.m. kickoffs. And so they can have more games where even, you know, some of their away games, because the kind of the problem is in the Pac-12 is with everyone being so far west, like you can handle one or two home games late, right? Especially down in Tucson when it's super hot. You don't necessarily mind the eight, eight o'clock kickoff because you want to be out there after the sun goes down. But the if you're in the big 12, you know, you can have a conference game that's kicking off it. You know, you have the early game because you're playing in Morgantown, West Virginia. And so there are some advantages to where maybe if you got a guy like Greg Burnin as the commissioner of the conference, he could try to convince Arizona and Arizona state say, Hey, the money's going to be a wash, but Arizona, you want to be in a basketball league, come play in the big 12. This is the best basketball league in the country, Arizona state. Hey, you don't want to be going and, why do you want to be tipping? Why do you want your recruits? Like, why do you want to be playing in Palo Alto in front of 5,000 people at nine o'clock at night? That's not fun. Don't do that. And so the, it will be a hard sell. Obviously a ton, a ton of students at both schools come from California. They both recruit California heavily. Um, so that will be an issue, but push come to shove. Maybe that doesn't really matter. I mean, there's kids from California that go everywhere to play. And so I don't think um, sports matters in terms of like, I don't think Arizona going and playing games at the Rose bowl is really going to affect a kid from San Diego from applying to go to school in Tucson or Tempe, you know, a normal. And I really don't think that having games in, you know, having one or two football games a year in Southern California is really going to change you know, everything, because out of 12 games a year at most, right, you're going to be, you're pro, for ASU and U of A, you're going to be at USC or at UCLA. Whatever one you're at one year, you're going to be home the next year. Um, you're going to be home the opposite. So you're going to get, what you're talking about one game a year in Southern California where push comes to show, like maybe people say like, oh, I would hate it. But if you want to go watch your kid, you'll make the five-hour drive. You'll hop on a quick flight. It's not that big of a deal. I imagine too, with the way NCAA regulations are going, uh, they're going to be able to start providing flights to families anyway. So it's uh, probably for, depending on where you're at in Southern California, it's probably faster and less traffic to get on a plane and fly to Tempe Phoenix and then get an Uber to the stadium than it is to drive from your house to either the Rose Bowl or the Coliseum. So 
Number one, if you can somehow swing Arizona ASU, that has to happen. Number two, nothing else unless you have to. I really don't think the ACC and the Pac-12, they're not going to expand because they are kind of in a similar situation. Like everybody else is kind of equal. And there was a report by the athletic that got put out where they hired a consulting firm to kind of go through and looked at what they think by the end of the decade, um, the payouts, the conference payouts are going to be. And so it says this estimates all tier one, two, and three media rights. So tier one is whatever contract that gets the first pick. So if you're the SEC right now, you that is like which game is the SEC on CBS? And then tier two is whoever else, and then tier three. So if you, right now for the Big 12, um, tier one is Fox. And you know who's going to be on Fox National or FS1? Tier two is ESPN. And then tier three is right now for the league, every school owns their own tier three rights. So for Texas, it was the Longhorn Network. For everybody else, they have a contract. Most all the schools have their own individual contract to broadcast their home games on ESPN+. Plus. And for BYU, that would be the BYU TV home games. Um, for each conference, based on historical growth rates, uh, the estimates include a new CFP agreement with expansion to 12-team field. Um, that is probably, I think it's probably going to happen because the remember the recent vote um, was to try to expand for like the 2024 season, but there is still time. So under the current contract, which runs out after the 2025 season. So, and it's going to expand. So I think a 12 team expansion is likely in 2026. And so they estimated five spots for the P5 and then one spot for the highest ranked G5. The estimates do not reflect any strategies conferences may adopt in the future structuring of their media rights, the negotiation process or other potential moves to maximize value. So this is what, that's one piece that you cannot quantify because it hasn't happened yet. You just don't know. And they include conference realignment in the SEC and Big 12 in their impact on media rights values. These estimates include national revenue from NCAA units, bull payouts, conference championships, and other revenue streams beyond media rights. And they, to allocate pounds earned by advancing deeper than the first round of the playoff games, they look back at the last 11 years of college football performance and estimate the value of participating in each round, assuming that each round sees increased TV viewership by 25% and did some math. Okay. So this chart, it has the SEC at each school going to be getting 117.8 million a year, the big 10 at 101.1. So it's really the big two, because then there's a very massive drop to PAC 12 at 62.8 ACC 61.5 Big 12, 57.5. So the Big 12, despite being, oh, it's on the brink of not being a league anymore. It's not going, you know, it's not, there's no blue blood. There's nothing tying that league together. The 12 schools that are there are going to be worth $5 million less a year than the Pac-12 that is anchored by USC and Oregon. If you look at the, you know, when you say, if you take, because the big 12 lost Texas and Oklahoma, their value is going to drop like a rock. What happens if you take those two schools out of the PAC 12? What if us, you know, what happens to the PAC 12 when USC says, you know what, I'm we're tired of this. We want to go independent. We can make more on our own. Or if the big 10 decides to expand and say, well, maybe we want to, you know, the big 10 says, let's have, we want to go to pods and have four PAC 10 school PAC 12 schools. And we're going to take USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal. And we're going to pull those in because those, all of those schools fit 
the institutionally they fit in with the Big Ten. They just don't geographically fit in. So maybe they take all of those schools. Then what's left of that league? Who are they going to backfill with San Diego State and UNLV and Boise State and Fresno? That's That doesn't do anything for them. And the options that they have for backfilling are much, much worse than what the Big 12 was able to do. And looking at if that happened the big 12 schools would be the ones. And I think that would be kind of something where if USC were to ever leave the conference, that's where I think that you could realistically pull Arizona and Arizona state. And you may be able to bring back um, Colorado and Utah, if you wanted to as well, and pull all four of those in and really just leave California and Oregon and Washington on an Island. And let them figure out what they want to do. And you really solidify as we are the conference of the central, um, you know, of the Midwest and the mountain areas. Um, and so it, the difference, obviously it's there, but it's not that huge. So you don't have to do anything. Now there are, unless you can pull another P5 thing, which there really is no advantage to moving to another league when you're like sixes, right? Like Texas and Oklahoma are going to make 30, $40 million a year more than they are now by going to the SEC. That makes a difference. There is zero advantage of moving from between the ACC, Pac-12 and Big 12, unless you are getting some type of advantage and some type of monetary, major monetary shift. And as long as your champion is still going to have access to a playoff, it doesn't really matter that way. Your champion, you're still going to have a shot at getting into the tournament basketball and you know all those are going to be multi-bid leagues so it really does not matter and so monetarily yes five million dollars of tv and unit money is same but the amount of donations that come in and the fan support is higher in the big 12 than the pac 12 and that is what's going to sell you look at the amount of nil deals and things that the big 12 are doing compared to a lot of acc and pac 12 schools is just being in quote-unquote football country matters. And so really you don't have to do anything, but if you are going to do something, you know, the five schools that kind of get floated, unless you can pull, like I said, Arizona and ASU are the ones that are normally like Boise, Memphis, SMU, USF to be down by UCF and color for some reason, Colorado state and San Diego state. I have no idea why anyone would say, let's add those for the sake of adding those. We already did the super whack. Okay. We don't need to go to 16 teams for the sake of building a massive big conference to try to say, oh, we have pods and it's cool and it's different. Expanding the whack did nothing for that conference except for destroy it and create the Mountain West. The SEC has brands. It's got enough money. It's creating, it's operating differently. I think a league of that size is just functionally, it will work different now. But why Louisiana Tech and Hawaii were ever in the same conference together doesn't make sense. But I th even looking at this, San Diego State is a bet. People say Boise, Boise, Boise. Boise's academics are horrible. They have really offered nothing besides football. And even then, their football has only been pretty, it's kind of been meh for the last bit. They don't, they don't have the fan support. It's not like BYU, where BYU has also, you know, had a pretty, middle of the road decade, but the fan support is still among the best in the country. And so it doesn't, Boise doesn't bring that even when they're, they they can not sell out their stadium when their 30,000 seat stadium, when they're ranked in the top 25 and undefeated. So it just doesn't, San Diego state is about to build a brand new on-campus stadium. 
since they are not in driving distance anywhere else in the league, San Diego is only 50 miles west of Boise. And it's a five minute longer flight from pretty much the rest of the conference other than BYU. So it is really sixes on travel. San Diego state would, it's much better in basketball, much better recruiting there. And in terms of what they can pull talent wise to actually build in because, and it's not that, BYU, it's not like, oh, the Big 12 is adding it, so they're going to be able to recruit San Diego better. I don't believe that anymore, but San Diego State will be able to retain a lot more of the local talent that continues to go to Arizona, Arizona State, USC, UCLA, because if they were able to get that. So San Diego State would be a much better option than Boise State because don't look at Boise State as a travel partner with BYU. It doesn't make sense. You're not going to bus from Boise to Provo. So it's like if you're on a flight, you're on a flight. It's what, an hour and 25 minute flight to San Diego versus a 45 minute flight to Boise. It doesn't really matter how long that flight is because you're still on a flight. It's not a travel partner to where you're flying once and then you're playing BYU in Utah and then driving and then flying home. It's not, there is no travel partner. And so, and unless you're pulling Utah, there is no, there is no school that will ever be a travel partner. And because you're never going to call Utah state and say, Hey, come join us in the big 12. So Memphis has the talent USF. I it's just it's USF and Colorado state are in the similar boat for me. It's like, yeah, they can build it. Colorado has a big, nice new stadium, but it's still sitting empty. It's at some point I get the, like, if you build it, they will come because everyone's going to get the little bit of a bump, right? Everyone is, you know, things are going to be easier recruiting things. You're going to get more money. You're going to get more donors because you're lit. You're validated and you're big time by being in a major conference. But at some point you still have to say like, you got to show us something. So it's good if Memphis comes out and, you know, Boise announces these new facilities, San Diego state's already building theirs. Memphis, if they build a new stadium, USF is building an on-campus stadium. You know, you're showing, hey, there is some support for this, and that's really good. But you gotta also put some wins together and put something behind it. Like I don't, you can't. There's not enough fans because it's no longer about TV markets and carriage, right? It's not when. Maryland and Rutgers got invited to the Big Ten. It was about getting the Big Ten network on cable packages in New York, Philadelphia, and DC and getting coverage all over that Eastern Atlantic seaboard because and getting a lot of money into that injected into that contract. By the time this next deal rolls around and the one after that, cable is going to matter less and less. And it's going to be about engagement, fan interaction, and viewership way more than can we get this on linear cable packages because the network is going to be on like every sports pack, like on Hulu or YouTube TV or whatever most people subscribe to for live sports. And so it's going to be all about that engagement. And so it doesn't matter if you have a nice brand new super fancy stadium, if it's only 10% full, you will bring nothing to the conference. So of those schools though, I think I would say, um, SMU is probably a non-starter because the Texas schools don't want another Texas school and TCU doesn't want SMU to be in their conference anymore. And it's in Baylor. I mean, that's too, they will think that is too much in our own turf. They will fight that tooth and nail. So it's probably not going to happen. Memphis and San Diego state both have good football as of late. They both have a lot of football talent that is leaving to go to nearby schools, but they could retain that talent a little better. 
if Memphis can build their stadium and both have very good historically at basketball. I know Memphis has a lot less of a football history because they've always struggled. Um, they've never consistently been like a top, you know, 25 team. However, up until Cincinnati last season, you know, going on the run, Memphis had won more games. I mean, they've gone to a New Year's Six game. They won, they won the conference two years ago or three years ago now, I guess. I went to New Year's Six game when they lost to Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. But Memphis had won through the 2019 season, had won more football games as a member of the American Athletic Conference than any other team in the league. Um, so they are having the best decade that they've ever had. And very similar to UCF and Cincinnati and Houston. Um, well, Houston, since the Southwest Conference fell apart. And so they are in that similar boat. But I mean, the amount of basketball and football talent there, you know, if you're going to take two, I would probably say if, you know, Memphis and I would say San Diego state over Boise, just because San Diego state, it's a better school academically. There's more people around there. They have a nicer facilities. It's, you don't have to look at the ugly ass blue turf all the time. There's, it is, it just, it overall top to bottom, San Diego state is in a better position as an athletic department. There may be some potential issues there, right? Being a public school in California, I know California has weird laws about like public schools. I'm allowed to go play in certain places. I don't understand all that. I don't know all that. But Sandy, if you're going to take a, another, you know, public university, largely commuter school in a major metro, San Diego State and Memphis are probably your best options um, just because USF doesn't seem to have the fan support. Even I kind of feel like USF had their shot. They were in the Big East and they still couldn't do it right? They still didn't have their shot when they had Matt Grothy and they climbed up to number two in the 2007 season. They still were not good enough and still couldn't put it together. Still didn't get a lot of butts and seats and nobody in Tampa Bay cares about them, but San Diego state Memphis, like San Diego, San Diego has the Padres. Memphis has the Grizzlies. There's no NFL team. There's, you know, in San Diego, there's no NBA team and Memphis, there's no MLB team, right? It, it can be, that can be the ticket in town and there's enough people to really drive that. So I think if you're going to, but either, even then neither of those, they will, they currently do not, and they will never have the amount of fan support to drive value to this, the way that a BYU or other school does. Now, could that change? Could those two schools, if this, you know, 12 team playoff expands and, it's like the top G five. And then one of their kind of trading off years because they've both continued to put money in and it's the mountain West and they, the American are trading off years, getting that bid. And it's usually San Diego state and Memphis for a decade. Could the big 12 pull them in? Yes, I definitely think they could, but you just have to see it. And the thing is the ACC is not going to call up any of these schools. The ACC is never going to call up South Florida and say, Hey, we want you to come in. Like that doesn't, they already have too many schools and that doesn't bring anything. The if the ACC expands, it's going to be because they're going to take West Virginia because they they need to take West Virginia. They're going to take West Virginia because they managed to convince Notre Dame to bring all sports and they need a partner for them. And so they're going to that will be if the ACC ever expands. The SEC is obviously not going to do it. The Big Ten's not going to do it. The Pac-12 is never going to add San Diego State. So it really like there is no reason to expand because there is like there's nothing that drives value. The league is stable. If you want to expand, everyone is going to be waiting right there. You can keep, you can toy with them all you want and say, Hey, keep building your facilities. Let their fans, you know, keep doing BYU fans. 
it's this isn't going to be a forever thing. Things will probably look drastically different in a decade, but that was the whole decade plus of independence, right? That BYU fans had is we were always wanting more investment because we wanted the opportunity to come. We thought the opportunity would come someday. And so I think all of these schools, even if they don't get the invite now, their athletic directors are still going to be out there saying, hey, we think a split is inevitable between FBS and you know, these P5 leagues. We want to make sure we're on the right side of that split. So we have to be ready. And you can, you can get a lot of run out of that in terms of fundraising. So I don't think all this talk, of this kind of ultimate point, all of this talk about Big 12 expansion is really worthless unless you can get Arizona and Arizona State. You do it immediately because that really solid adding Arizona as a basketball program does that immediately. That gives you more content and in the mountain time zone. Um, so you can really lock up both of those time zones in terms of viewership. And it really, and it also would be great because it gets BYU playing in Arizona more, which with a very large con- alumni um, contingency, that would be very great for ticket sales for Arizona State. They're going to guarantee a few games a year where they're close to sellouts and or a few more games a year. And that's just going to be a great opportunity. And so I think those make sense if you can get them. Anything else, nothing is going to force your hand. I don't see any, maybe Kansas gets invited to the Big Ten for basketball, but I still don't think the Big Ten has any reason to expand for expansion's sake anymore. Like they, they have the money, they've got the teams they need. They don't need to stress or, you know, freak out or do anything reactionary. And so there is no reason to do it. Um, so I think all of that talk is kind of, it is a little over the top. It's a little, you know, nobody else is going to take those teams. So you don't need to take them either. And the kind of the fact that nobody else wants them should kind of tell you what you need to think about them. Uh, one thing that, um, last thing before we wrap up is what the big 12 will do going forward. Um, it's rumored, you know, with TV in terms of TV rights, a lot of it depends. Obviously the sec is leaving CBS. So CBS is going to be wide open on Saturday afternoons because they're getting legitimately like a billion dollars from ESPN, uh, just for one game a week. Cause that's how much the sec is worth. They, so CBS is going to be wide open. Does that mean, you know, they're going to pull, the mountain West game of the week from CBS sports and put that on. I don't think they want to do that. They would, they think they can get more viewership from something else. So could there be a situation where CBS pays either the PAC 12 or the big 12, a lot of money or the ACC, a lot of money for one game a week. Probably. I think that's whoever is able to lock that up is going to get a nice paycheck for themselves. And then there's also Fox Fox is leaning heavily into big noon Saturday. You know, and that's usually a big 12 or a big 10 game. And honestly, the FS1 productions are better than ESPN2, ESPN, ESPN2 productions. So getting more on Fox, but then NBC is also rumored to want to get more than just Notre Dame. So is NBC going to enter the, into the, this is they're going to be our Amazon, Netflix, or Apple TV going to want to get into this. And I think this, there is an opportunity for, you know, it used to be that primetime the two primetime college football slots were Thursday night and Saturday night. Um, and that was what ESPN had. And then the NFL started going more on Thursday night. So is there a possibility where maybe CBS locks up and says Friday night on CB, like the big 12 on Friday nights on CBS and there's you know, a back, a double header or something, you know, and it's maybe it's a little harder for attendance, um, 
because you're starting the early game, not necessarily right at prime time. It's, you know, it's starting it, whatever it is, but you have a league that covers so much ground. Like, you know, it's, it could be harder because with scheduling, because you're going to have one game that's a little awkwardly early, one game that's awkwardly late, whatever. But is there something where it can be, Hey, this is ours. We're locking it up and doing this thing. Maybe the big 12 does something like that. And so it'll be interesting to see whoever the commissioner is. I think priority number one needs to be, what is your plan to be different than the PAC 12 and the ACC? Cause you know, and if they, anybody who comes in trying to say, well, we're going to, you know, catch up to the sec, whatever, like, yes, it's good. Have those lofty goals. You don't want to put yourself down, but you also have to be a realist, right? Like you're getting, it's the power too, and everyone else is middle-class trying to keep up. So how are you going to differentiate yourself and be different from the ACC and the PAC 12? And so that is what is going to be the thing to watch. Um, they are saying, you know, that they want this to be wrapped up in the next 90 days. I don't imagine it's going to take that long. That'd be a very long executive search. Um, I, you don't, Bullsby's not going to step down unless they have a very short list of people in mind and already probably talking to people. And if it's all of her luck, then it's going to be announced even sooner than that. Um, and so it is something to keep in mind of doing this, but it is something, this is a very pivotal hire. And this is something that the university presidents in selecting a new commissioner, they really, they can't screw up, right? It was, we've seen the jokes and we've made the jokes and seen what Larry Scott did to the PAC 12 for the last decade. And in this kind of pivotal moment, the big 12 absolutely cannot afford to have to deal, you know, to make that same type of a mistake. Um, it has been a very non BYU episode. I hope you have enjoyed it. I hope I spoke slow enough. Um, next week, Jeff will be back with me. I'm not sure what day we're going to record. I am. I bought a house in February, but we are finally moving now two months later. Um, and so we um, will be back next week at our regular time. And until then, I hope you all give them hell.